Jamie Neal, the host, asked many questions about their mindset and how they fundamentally operate their world and the world around them. Here at 360 Yourself, we are very proud and honoured to be partnered with General Assembly. We embrace this with open arms to a new adventure. General Assembly is a global tech education company focused on the most in-demand areas today. So that's anything from UX, digital marketing, coding, data science, data analytics, to travel writing and ethics. Our slash their main goal is to get you where you want to be. You can find out more about them at ga.co online or across all socials at ga underscore London. We also encourage you to please rate and comment about us on Apple Podcasts. If you do enjoy what we bring to your ears, we'd love to hear about it. We're supported by General Assembly and that's right, you can get a 25% discount for their services. Promo code is 360yourself25. The code will be valid up to £75 off any one of their classes, workshops and boot camps and is valid until the 31st 08 2021 and is not applicable to GA's full-time, part-time or online circuit courses. Full T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome back to 360 Yourself. I hope you're having a good morning, good afternoon or good evening wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to 360 Yourself. You have me, the host, Jamie Neal. So we have another amazing guest for you today. She has worked with the likes of Madonna, uh, the XX, Griff, Jamie XX, Wales Bonner. I mean, the list goes on. And we're talking about taking on the challenge. I'm sure everyone here has had a challenging life at some point. There's been a situation where you've had to face something and you had to get over it. I think it's important not to run away from challenges. Challenges make you better as a person. Challenges are very, very good. I mean, for me personally, I love a challenge. I love accomplishing things, whether it is Mud Runner, that event, or it is a work thing, a personal thing, anything. Challenge is good. Challenges make us better. They make us stronger. Challenges also getting over a breakup. That's also a big one as well. The challenge of breakups, they're not nice. I being through them, you being through them, everyone has been through breakups. They make you stronger as a person. And we're talking to our guest about taking those challenges on and pursuing them and getting better as a person. I'm very, very excited to welcome Imogen Snell, who is one of the uh, duo creative direction studio creative co-founders of ISS Studio. So please put your hands together for Imogen. 
Hey, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Very, very well, thank you. So, obviously, COVID, it, we're slightly coming out of COVID, but a lot of people are everywhere in the world, and I always like to find out where, where you are. So, whereabouts are you chatting with me from today? I'm in the Alps. I'm in Italy, but far, far up. So far up, they don't speak Italian, they speak German. So, I'm almost German in Italy, in the Alps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a really strange pocket. I mean, I'm on the border of like Austria and Switzerland. And so um, they're actually speaking German, yeah. Oh, wow, that's really cool. Is this your first time in the Alps? No, I've been here a lot. My partner of his studio and my boyfriend is from here. So we, we come here quite often and visit his family and yeah, get out of London. I mean, it's, it's such a lovely place to be. I mean, you could have got a partner who lives in that hull. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, when he places. told me he Exactly. But when he told me he was Italian, I was thinking Naples, El Malfi Coast, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then and then he told me it's Germanic. No, and no, it's beautiful. It's sort of like fresh Alps, Alpine air. So no, it, it's we're very lucky to come you, here. I'm assuming you get a lot of signal in the Alps, Wi-Fi. <laughs> well, let's find out. No, it's been okay. <laughs> Oh, it's been okay. That's great. So um, I want to say thank you so much for coming on 360 yourself. So, uh, I'm I'm a massive fan of your work. I mean, some of the clients that you've had is like Madonna, like Griff as well, who obviously won the Brit Awards recently. Uh, like, so what I want to know is how did it all start, and how did you become? Did you become creative? Was it nurtured for your family? Like, yeah, what is what is your journey? Um, I think it started um, as, as, you know, as my parents would tell me, I kind of always had a sort of creative um, background and always throughout school and, you know, at a young age, I was always kind of involved in mainly what's interesting as a creative director, you know, I don't have my, my own specific artistic practice. I'm, I'm kind of helping others bring visions to life. And so I think that even at school when I was like eight years old, I was like organizing a fashion show. And, you know, I'm, I'm really into, um, yeah, collaboration and, you know, creating work together. And so I think, yeah, creativity has always sort of been a part of my sort of early life. And then, yeah, I think my family is not creative, you know, um, as such. My, um, I have five brothers and I have a mom and sort of a dad and a stepdad and they all have quite practical jobs. And so actually when I ventured into something creative, it was sort of a different, a different path for me and a different route but for them. Um, I think it, it sort of began because when I was 14, I was scouted as a model in Covent Garden and, mm -hmm. you know, I became a fashion model and that kind of really opened up like, wow, there's a lot of jobs and a lot of opportunity and a lot of things that I didn't know about, you know, and mm -hmm. so... I think a lot comes from that and you know I understood what a stylist was and what a photographer was and what an editor was and a magazine you know so it really like I believe it was that from 14 and so I sort of was working in London and a part of the creative scene from quite a young age actually and that really helped just learn and you know open my eyes to something that maybe I wouldn't have otherwise known about from an early age. Uh, so did you, when you were modeling did you because some I mean nowadays some a lot of models are like they're doing the modeling but they're also studying like a PhD or whatever they're so like uh, in, yeah. in the education with the, I believe probably years and years ago like Naomi Campbell you were just a model and that was just it I and mean, nowadays you're modeling and but they're like doing PhDs and they're doing becoming a doctor and that sort of thing 
did when you were doing the modeling did you go okay this is what this is great for now but actually i'm really fascinated by what the director's doing and that's, that's sort of the journey that i want to go rather than i just want to be a model yeah i think so i think so there was a lot i enjoyed about it but a lot that I didn't enjoy and that was incredibly problematic you know as a young woman and you know of course there's a lot to say about that but I think that yeah I was really interested in what everyone else was doing and I just remember kind of I would just take the opportunity to speak to everyone sort of 14 years old and I really understand who they all were and where they came from and I just took it as an opportunity to do that I was still at school I was still doing my A-levels and so I was kind of up and down I'm from Kent which is about an hour from London so I was kind of up and down to London um balancing both and you know as soon as I then finished school I the first thing I thought I wanted to do was PR bizarrely so the first thing I did was get an internship with a fashion PR company um, and so yeah I, yeah I was much more interested in the other roles and but it was a great experience and then, so from so from that role of being PR did, when did you know that 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 wasn't the right sort of path for you and you're like okay maybe I need to because you went to, you studied at Central School uh, Martin the famous the famous yeah. design school when was it the point that you were like okay maybe the PR thing is great but maybe I want to do this creative thing and be a bit more like hands-on yeah I think I did fashion PR for a bit and then I assisted I really thought I wanted to be a stylist so it was like PR then styling and then I went to St Martin's a bit later which was actually a great decision you know I was, I was 22 when I started and most people were 20 you know or 19 you sort of had to do obviously an art foundation first and I think um, after doing a few of the sort of initial roles I just realized that they were quite prescribed you know and like what I love so much about my job is um, the variety of work I get to do and the sort of creativity is is spanning various outputs and it's also quite emotional you know now I work with musicians so my intro into fashion was much more just didn't feel as soulful you know and music it feels like emotional and there's purpose and so yeah. I think with all of that and particularly with fashion PR you know sort of working in a fashion cupboard like signing in and out samples oh. and then stuff returning clothes you know no matter oh, how beautiful dear. they are I don't want to pack them into a bag and return them thanks so I was quite quick to learn nah this is not for me um and then I went to St Martin's and got a whole nother sort of education and perspective on what you can do creatively mm, I, I couldn't imagine being a fashion PR assistant and basically just like sitting at a desk and then sign oh, yeah. I, I just they they are they run ragged those assistants oh, yeah. they really are oh yeah and they're not even oh, paid yeah. that well either. No, no, I know. I know. It's like, yeah, it's really, it's really not the one. <laughs> yeah. And but you have to do all these things, you know, like I did everything. I just like from a young age, I just said yes to everything to learn. It's like a process of elimination and reflection and learning and growth. So I, I don't regret it. You know, I have a greater understanding of all the processes because of it. But oh, yeah, no, definitely, definitely not the one. But we always say that or people say that you have to do your kind of due diligence you have to do your thing and then you but I always believe that you always find your path like even if you like I've got many friends who started as a stylist and then suddenly they go you know what I really want to be a videographer uh, or they become a director and we always kind of find our path but I think it's really important when you're younger just to try loads of different things because then you realize actually what it actually entails because like a lot of people think like, for instance, styling is all this sort of thing. But actually I go, well, they've got to hook around seven different suitcases, but you don't see those sort of like yeah. that sort of other things. So, and sometimes you just have to like, just do it. See if you'd like, cause it's also the lifestyle as well. Like I, I, mm -hmm. I tell people quite mm -hmm. a lot, like 
you do these jobs they look amazing but also does the lifestyle suit you mm, i think that's really absolutely. important as well no it's true especially the work that we do or the work that i do the crossover between my personal work life is huge you know it is all about lifestyle and i think in fashion where i started to work you know after st martin's for the first few years you know, I got on and I worked and I worked in interesting projects and I worked with a creative director called Sam Gainsbury, who has a production company also Gainsbury and Whiting. And, you know, we worked on the McQueen show at the Met and um, the punk show at the Met and the McQueen show at the V&A. And, you know, it was great. But I realized when I when I first got my intro into music and started in music within sort of three months, I'd got loads of friends and I'd met a current a boyfriend that I had at the time and I was like wow this is my world this is my circle this is my lifestyle you know and it just clicked like very immediately and so I think you're right it's very personal too when we work in creative ways like it has to suit you as a person mm. yeah you just find your people and you just find the yeah. thing that resonates with you and I and much as I love fashion but like for me music is so because I think you hit the nail on the head it's so emotive and emotional and it's something that you, when I go, you go to, you work on a fashion show, you, you, you wait, well, you go to a fashion show and it can be emotional, it can be emotive. Some of the more performance sort of stuff, the McQueen stuff yeah. is very, very poor. Totally. But when you go, but when you go to see a music concert and you're working with an artist on a music video, it's such a different experience. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, mm -hmm. but like, I just, I honestly love it. And because they, because they are, I'm not saying designers aren't, but like they, the music, musicians really give absolutely everything and their motive and obviously fashion designers do because that's how they they create they create from their experience into the clothing but it's a different kind of experience and what what made mm. you want to go to in down the music route more so than the kind of fashion route yeah i think just that sort of personal draw to like something that has personality something that has purpose you know i think i find creating visuals most exciting when there's a sort of meaning and a message behind it you know and so you know how I sometimes describe my job is sort of translating an album visually you know like that's mm -hmm. how my process will begin with artists they'll play me the music over a period of you know weeks or months and we'll start developing the visual world and the themes and you know start understanding what we're trying to say and what we're exploring and it's someone spent time writing this album you know and they've got something very specific to say a lot of the time so it's this real journey and I think that just resonates with me and excites me more than visuals for visual sake you know I work with a designer Grace Wells Bonner who I met at St Martin's and we've been very good friends and collaborators for the last five years since we graduated and she for me works more like a multidisciplinary artist or a musical artist you know she's always got something to say and each season is not just about kind of creating clothes like there's a body of text to read and books and scripts and you know a bit like an artist will sort of give me this dump of stuff like this is my world you know this is what I've been writing and creating and Grace works like that and so for me working with her is almost the same sort of process. Um, do, you, do, you think, do you think there's more designers working like that than what there was in the past where it was just like they're just creating like a themed world of a collection and that was it and then they present it to the world? Yeah, I do. I do. I think much more, more and more, you know, there's the A audiences sort of demand more, but I think also designers, there's not that sort of traditional sense of they can only operate in clothes, you know, there's more of a curational aspect in everything, whether it's kind of video, photography, you know, I think that actually people are much smarter now and both designers have a platform for it and audiences want it. So I think absolutely um, there will, there is more and there will continue to be more.
Yeah, it's it's fascinating, isn't it, how the consumer is becoming much more clever in terms of authenticity and how they want more content. So, like, when yeah. you have a fashion collection, it's great that you can show the showcase the what the work in the clothing, but also what you said about graces with like scripts and books and stuff, so they can devour. And then also can be it can be uh, moved across different channels because obviously mm -hmm. certain things work on different different platforms and other things don't. So it's quite fascinating how designers are tapping into that and how to generate more content rather than just clothing. Exactly. Well, I think as well, it's, it can be difficult for them because the platforms are not as sort of generous and personalised. In music, you can kind of create your own world and there's no format, you know, you can kind of your booklet and your vinyl can look like a poetry book. It can look like a punk. I don't know. There's, there's many platforms. Instagram is your own kind of publishing platform as a musician. I always think, you know, you're, you're not at the mercy of sort of um, specific outputs, whereas in fashion, it's a little bit more tailored and structured. So I feel like even with grace, you know, there's so much research and thought and development. And sometimes, you know, there's not a space for it. You get your chance on your scheduled sort of showtime. Mm -hmm. You know, although people are again now, especially post COVID, people have been doing much more kind of dynamic shows where they've had to think outside the box and how to present things. And that's opened up like more opportunity to show stuff in another way. But I feel like it's harder for designers sometimes because there's a sort of specific framework that they're meant to show. But actually, they might have much more to say, you know. Yeah, for sure. So going going on just what you just tapped on about, like having different outlets to to present the work because of COVID, what's your kind of thoughts on like the digital fashion? Like there's now this whole like, I've seen some a couple of designers only doing digital fashion and not physical. What So what's your kind of thoughts on that? And how, how does it work? Well, I think that just like in music too, like we'll always, you know, it's unparalleled, you know, we'll always require a sort of live moment an emotional moment and so I think shows are gonna for me I feel like they they're not gonna people always speculate maybe they're gonna disappear but there's something magical about them and something magical about the live moment of them so in the one-off kind of feeling um I think some people are doing it really well I mean like Balenciaga's sort of like game that they put was quite amazing yeah, Martin the Rose game world yeah the game was very well done, you know, it was like very well done. I think digital, there's a great space and there's a huge sort of like market for it. it. Has to be done so well though to captivate me and for it to feel exciting. Otherwise I just find, I just don't get the emotion as much as I do in person. And, but with that, I thought that was done well. I thought Martine Rose did quite an interesting one as well. Um, yeah, it, it will get there and people will keep innovating. And when the quality remains high, it can be quite interesting and you of course you know what you can do with digital opens up a lot more exploration and the looks changing and development detail so there's something in it but yeah, i'm not convinced fully yeah it's I th it could, maybe because the technology isn't at the level it needs to be just yet but i know like for instance google are like creating those glasses the augmented reality glasses where you can see them. i mean it's just so fun I, I say to a lot of my friends that like you know the pocket watch was made like 500 years ago or something like this, or 400 years ago. And then within yeah. the space of 400 years after, we made the first wristwatch. And then within the first wristwatch, there was only like 50 years or 40 years when the internet was made. And it's just so crazy how like technology has sped up so much from the from a pocket mm -hmm. watch of 400 years. Then you have 50 years of the internet. And then suddenly now from like when the internet was born, which was I think like 19, like late 1990s or what, 2000s, 
it's just like pushed so fast forward in terms of like you've got mm-hmm. TikTok and Twitch and all that sort of stuff. It's just like, what's going to happen in the next 10 years? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, I think I think so. I mean, my partner, Ricardo, like really into tech and like sort of forward thinking and we've been working on this VR project and that's been quite crazy um sort of getting into the idea of shoppable VR and experience in VR and how like you know shopping in VR you know and how that can become a sort of quite tangible mass experience soon um so yeah as in virtual reality you think people are gonna put their glasses on and then shop virtual reality yeah you can create an experience within your headset and you can actually shop and purchase you know like your cards is all saved into your vr headset you can be in the store you can experience you know you can try it on and then you can blink and buy it you know yeah yeah so so there's there is stuff really happening and you know then there's ar which we're all used to but the whole sort of vr development was quite uh interesting projects because yeah there, there's stuff coming you know that's that that will eventually transform how we how we view things how we shop things yeah it's the same thing wouldn't have been i was i'm reading a book by mark randolph who is the one of the co-founders of netflix and uh he's i think it's called this will never work the, the book is called but one of the one of the chapters is about how people when they had uh, v, uh vhs they were like, and there was DVD technology out there, but people didn't know if it was going to be a thing. And this is the same situation that people, there's, there's, there's sort of maybe like um, a, a two, two or three different paths that you've got the kind of VR, mixed reality and AR. And it's just like, what one is going to crack? And it's the same mm. thing. They were, Netflix were betting that they were going to have DVDs and people could use DVDs. I mean, thankfully it worked out and they knew the streamer was going to come, but it was going to be yeah. like later, later down the line. But they they made sure that DVD was, they were the first of the market and they were very very successful with that sort of thing. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's the same thing as well. Like you even like one of the one of those sort of three things will kind of crack. Wherever it is, like VR will be will take off and loads of people do VR. It will be like AR. Exactly. Exactly. No, exactly. It's like a race to the to the gate of you know what will land. It's like those Google glasses came out however long ago and were a complete dive. But you know maybe something else, a new iteration of technology and development, will then make them land. You know. It's yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm waiting for that day when you have a chip in your wrist and you do go beep beep on your like on the card machines and stuff. Like that's for me. Oh, yeah. That's what I want yeah yeah <laughs> the ultimate ease well there's the amazon shop right that you can like shop without even you know you don't even pay they sort of have your facial recognition and know who you are and you walk out um but yeah there's an amazon shop it's in london and you can walk in walk around buy get everything and just walk out and facial recognition has your card connected so that's no it, you way know. yeah you don't that's, even know what that's a thing yeah that is a thing that's scary yeah, yeah, it's quite bizarre. So, but they, but they, I mean, technically, they have all your like. I know, obviously, most most companies will have your information stored and that sort of thing. But they have all your stuff via your face. I mean, that's quite a scary thing to think about. Like, what happens if someone gets oh, yeah. hacked? Like, they get hacked and then they steal your face identity. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I know, but that, but we live there. We live in that, don't we? We sort of like un- unknowingly at times live there, you know. Well, yeah, because I mean, because Apple have all your details. Because obviously, when the face recognition thing on your phone, it's exactly. a, a, a se- essentially the same thing, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Oh wow! I mean, we're living in a, a crazy. I, I always say to my parents, because um, I, I don't, I don't know how old your parents are, but I said to my parents, 
what happened when you were in a car when you had to read the roadmap sign like <laughs> how did you do it like I, honestly I, sometimes I get confused and I've got a GPS on my phone that does no Google Maps but imagine having like an actual paper thing and trying to figure out where you are on the map like and nowadays we can have these face recognition things or you can like do a FaceTime around the world Mm, I know. I think we have new channels of like learning, don't we? Because I, I think the same. It's like they, they had different, that's a different skill that like we just haven't needed to have, but we've had to have other skills, you know, map reading or like, you know. So yeah, it's like new, new neurological channels of learning that we yeah. have now. And, it's and, very how, and we're, we're talking about kind of like learning and developing and that sort of thing. How is your process developed or what is your process now? Uh, compared to maybe what it was five years ago and, and also also all the resources that we now have technology wise like what what do you sort of tap into for your process yeah I mean I suppose it's interesting isn't it because yes there's a plethora of things online and we've got sort of access to anything and everything but I still do my best work at St Martin's Library you know as I did oh, really? five years ago yeah, I still go how my tutor there is still like very kind and lets me go kind of, yeah, regularly and use their incredible facilities and you do just get the best. It's still sort of the place where I find the most um, unique referencing, the most interesting work, artists that maybe I didn't know about, you know, I learned the most there. So that's, you know, says something, doesn't it, that they are still just those um, tools that will never well at the moment never change you know um so yeah I think but obviously I find inspiration and development and everywhere you know and obviously online I do a lot of work online obviously but yeah I think for the most the most inspirational moments where I go and like you know maybe I'll set aside a day in a month and as a studio we'll all go and we'll just kind of spend the whole day just leafing through hundreds of books and store it all for later you know or we go with a specific project in mind but sometimes it's better just to go and be a bit free you know and look at whatever takes your fancy yeah there's a there's a thing that I was talking to someone about daydreaming like we don't do enough I think it goes back to sort of like just going and not having a brief I think goes back to kind of like the daydreaming thing, like letting your mind wander. Because I think sometimes if you have a brief and you're going for a set thing, you then sometimes miss everything, all the things that could be amazing. And I think that's the thing yeah. about daydreaming. Like we are always constantly thinking. We don't actually let our brain just wander and let's go, oh, we're just going to explore and see what happens and see what we like. Yeah, 100%. No, I really, I was reading actually about daydreaming in parallel with sort of self-hypnosis and how it's kind of um, a similar sort of headspace that you're getting into and how, yeah, you're gently just kind of allowing a subconscious part of your brain. And I think now what's different, you know, five years on and you know I'm much busier I have a lot of clients and a lot of projects and so I think that is really talks to me about finding that space because it's so easy just to be like working to a brief constantly you know I'm always kind of on a specific brief but actually five years ago maybe when I would only have one project a month you would have space to kind of reflect and think more and oh maybe this or maybe that or maybe this would be good for something else and now it's so um focused you know to each thing so I still really try and carve out space to just have that more sort of free thought and free um yeah moment to dream as it were yeah if you if you could do like any project that's not attached to an artist or designer it was your own thing what would you sort of like explore or do like a, like a pass like a passion project like a personal project what would you like to explore or do that you maybe haven't done yet 
I think um, I'm always really drawn to dance, you know, like Pina Bausch is sort of like a hero of mine and, you know, visual within everyone. It's exactly. everyone, Pina Bausch, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I just find that, again, it's that sort of emotive feeling, you know, of every time I've kind of, or when artists have kind of collaborated or we've worked specifically within dance, not like in music videos or it can be, but, you know, when there's been sort of projects combined at Sadler's Wells or there's another choreography company called Lev that are really interesting based in Israel um, that we did something with Young Turks and I just think there's yeah that's something that I'm quite passionate about and would be a sort of more interesting sideline. Interesting what so what is it about dance that because obviously within the music you can see I mean most most people can see the audience can see now that over the last like five years dancers like infiltrated mo many campaigns fashion shows, music things, it just gives a different element rather than just a narrative story. It's also a narrative story and it has dance in it. And so what also draws you to the to the to dance rather than just like a narrative form? Yeah, I think it's also when I say dance, you know, on reflection, I'm probably also thinking more theatre because I'm thinking, you know, Pina Bausch is obviously it's like the movement, but the movement is like it's emotive, but it's almost secondary to the bigger scene and the cast. And that's sort of quite specific. So I think there's something about sort of theatre, too. And then it's that sort of very encapsulated, like focused live space um, mm. that has an appeal and the cast and the realness you know I think again it's like as I was saying why music feels more appealing than fashion is the the sense of real the sense of now the sense of the sort of span of um, references you can draw upon rather than maybe just an aesthetic and so yeah I think I think there's something in it that is just a bit more again human and real and relatable mm. and storytelling you, you should definitely check out there's a company called Peeping Tom um very 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 cool out there theatrical company um oh, cool. i think they're based based in brussels that might be a lie but um okay. they're a really really cool company called peeping tom and it can it can buy it's like basically physical theater um and okay. another company called ultimate Aves, very very cool physical mm -hmm. theater company as well which i'll send you the links anyway afterwards but um, thank you they are they are again it's i think because like, i think some people there's more companies now potentially that become much more theatrical um like theo adams for instance his company like they're dancers but it's like it's more like a performance theater thing rather than just a dance thing like way mcgregor or like i don't know another company and i think i think that's that's what's in it well i think that's what kind of pina bausch kind of tapped into years and years ago it was like it they are moving but it's more about the narrative and the story rather than showing you movement and steps mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I think Theo Adams' show at the Brits was one of my favourites, you know, with Elton. Um, so, yeah, I think he's, he's amazing too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's been going for a long time and, it's, and now he's developed this really, really curated voice that's just telling stories, not just through movement, but just like simplistic sort of like styling and not it's just yeah mm -hmm. he, he's just he's just really really great so mm -hmm. uh so as we sort of tie up our our end of the the podcast what i love to do with my guests is i like to ask what would you give back to our audiences so what has been it what has inspired you for the last couple of years or even recently that might have been like a mantra or quote or even a film or book that you might have read 
Um, I guess it's always evolving. And like, I think that's one of my personal mantras is like change and spontaneity and never, I, I never like to be too attached to any kind of routine or system. And I think music helps me to do that because no client, no artist, no projects is ever the same. And so one, yeah, so, so perhaps it's hard to kind of um, hone in on one thing, but I think really my kind of advice in that sense is like just to try everything and have an open mind and like you know I always um take on a challenge like for me like it's always about if it's going to be difficult and I feel uncomfortable about it that means I should I should do it so that's kind of how I how I approach things and when projects come in I I kind of evaluate how much will I learn and if I if it might be something that I'm not quite sure about and it doesn't quite perhaps land but if I think I'm going to learn a lot it excites me yeah, it's, it's about sometimes being out of your comfort zone to progress a bit forward. And, and, and we also need challenges because after I speak to a lot of people who sometimes been in their jobs for a long time, they're just like, yeah. I've, lost, I've lost the challenge now. Like the challenge isn't there. I'm just, I'm just kind of coasting. And I, I think I resonate with you also because I'm a Gemini. <laughs> I like to keep busy and I don't like to have like um, being on one level. I like to just no. be a bit sporadic and be a bit more like, yes, I like to learn from that. I might not know what that journey is just yet. And I don't know if I can do that yet, but I know I'll learn when I get there. Exactly. No, exactly. And I think that's why I also love music. It's like, you know, it, I've been, you know, working with artists now for sort of five years. And although obviously as a creative director and the process that I have is, the work I do is sort of the same across the board but it's never the same you know because each artist is different each project is different each output is different so I think that's exactly why I love it so much that you're never kind of tied to this very specific solid you know way of working and that suits me and my personality perfectly for sure for sure well I want to say thank you so much for coming on 360 yourself um, and I wish you all the best with all your projects Um, so thank you again Thank you. Thanks. This is 360 Yourself and I'm Jamie Neal. Thank you very much for taking a moment to listen to our wonderful guests. Please subscribe to our podcast to access all our brilliant guest episodes. They are released every Sunday at 12pm. We are available on all listening platforms, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Google Podcasts and Castro. You can also find us on Instagram at 360 underscore yourself, Twitter at yourself360, and our host at Jamie Neil JN. Thank you for listening. <laughs>